All right. Uh, Jerry, if you go ahead and post John 15, 1 through 8. I'm going to go ahead. We're going to start with the scripture this morning. Um, go ahead and post the scripture itself. This is, uh, I can only preach from experience. I don't have the ability to, I'm not a great theologian. I don't retain information very long. Uh, I think maybe by choice, I don't know. But um, I'm always amused at how Pastor is able to just, I mean, every sermon he's ever done, he still knows. When I'm done today, don't ask me. I don't know. It just, it's gone. It's, I have it, I'll give you the copy. I'll give you my notes. But um, so I just, I just want to tell you that the notes that I have today are simply, you know, when you go bowling and the bumpers that they put up for the kiddie lanes and it keeps the ball from going in the gutter. That's the only reason I have these. So you're going to have to bear with me. And Jerry, I apologize in advance because I might just be all over the place. But uh, there is a great point to be drawn from today's sermon. Um, there's been a lot of things happening. I don't believe it's just with me. I know uh, our country is experiencing a lot of, a lot of uh, what's going on here. But John 15, 1 through 8 is something that we need to allow to get deep in our hearts. Because this, if there was ever an encouraging scripture in the Word of God, this is it. It says, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may be that it might bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bear much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire. And they are burned. If I abide in you, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified. That you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. That is deep. That is just, it's, it's poetic in and of itself, but there is so much more than meets the eye in these verses. I've entitled today's message, Sheer Glory. Because what I want to talk about is how God prunes our lives, and why he prunes our lives, and what it would be like if he didn't prune our lives. I think everybody's familiar with the story of Job, and um, I think there's a lot to be learned there, but I'm not going to talk about Job. Joseph came to my heart, and um, if you know the story of Joseph, we'll recap briefly. Um, it's, it's quite an amazing story. There's a promise on this young man's life. His dad loved him, and so much so, the word says he loved him more than all his brothers, and he made him a robe, and um, there was just, there was, a, there was a, he was adorned. He was, he was so well loved by his father and it made him whole, I believe, because there's, you know, there's a lot of messages that can probably preach, be preached off of this from um, just the love of the father to perhaps abandonment, maybe talking about the other brothers or maybe um, issues of, of neglect. But in this, as I read, about Joseph, I realized that, first of all, he had a dream. His father loved him, and he had a dream. 
And as he dreamt, he shared this dream. So the, the father was speaking to him. His natural dad loved him, and, and our spiritual father loved him and was speaking to him. And he was hearing, and he was excited, and he shared what he was hearing. And as he did, it created quite a, a bit of stir in the house. And we can stop and dwell there for just a second, because as the Lord speaks to our hearts, as he gives us dreams and visions and aspirations, and we are outward with those, and we should be, we should be living all out for Christ, we should profess him as Lord and King, and we should share the things that he's speaking with us, it's going to cause a bit of disruption, even amongst your family, not even just not just your peers and perhaps co-workers, but even amongst the family. As you read, you kind of start to gather the dysfunction within that family. I mean, they didn't just want to lock him in the closet and poke fun at him for a while. They wanted him dead. And uh, they, it, they gave it forethought. You know, there was... There was a lot that went into it, but as this dream came about, there was, there was something in him. He was special. He was going somewhere. And the dream was about the end, something that was to take place long in the future because at the time he was just a boy, and there's no way that he was prepared to receive the mantle in which was being spoken of in his dream. The dream was that his family was going to worship him and bow down before him, not only his brothers, but his father as well. And that just struck an odd chord. And as you read into it, you realize that the brothers had animosity. The father didn't really like it much, but he held on to it. And he, he just, he remembered, he tucked it in the back of his mind. One of, the, one of the things that I read as I go forward in this is that he was taken from a place of prosperity and his spirit and because of the exuberance he showed in that, he, he was thrown into a pit to be left. But then the brothers came together and said, well, wait a second. Why just let him die when we can sell him and make a profit, you know? And so the merchants came rolled into town, and they sold Joseph off to, to the merchants to go, and they took him back to Egypt. Well, as he was in, in Egypt, um, Potiphar bought him. And the story continues, and it gets, there's another whole lesson to be taught about what happened in Potiphar's house. He gained favor. But all the while, if you read the scripture, it says that the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. And it, kept, it, it keeps reiterating the fact that the Lord was with him. And here, 39, uh, in 39.1, it says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, uh, an officer of the Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites and had taken him down there. The next says, the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, really. And he was in the house of the master of the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. As you go down a little further, in verse 5, it says, So it was from that time that he had made him overseer of the house and all that he had. The Lord had blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that was in the house and that he had in the field. It blows me away that when you see 
somebody getting to a place where they're, they're rejoicing in the Lord. Certainly he's with them. He gave them a dream. But then he gets thrown in a pit and he gets sold as a slave. And the Holy Spirit tells us that the Lord was with him. And he's in Potiphar's house and he's gaining favor because the Lord's with him. But he's a slave. I mean, everything's going down, and it's seemingly going further and further away from the dream that he had. Not only was he going to be killed, now, no, no, let's just make him a slave. And I'm looking at this, but as you keep reading and keep reading, what you start to see is, I guess I liken the outcome to that of a bonsai tree. I'm not, by any stretch of the imagination, an arborist, a gardener. My wife will attest to that. But just the other day, Jeremy and I were working together, and we looked, and we were at Kiowa, and there's really nice foliage out at Kiowa. There's this one particular tree. It was a huge bonsai tree, but it was so perfect, and it just was cool looking, and it just had this style to it that just it drew you to it. It was attractive. It, it, it was, there was something about it that made you stop and, and admire it. And I realized, however, that there was a lot of love and care taken with that tree. It wasn't allowed to just grow. It was, it was carefully honed and pruned and made to look a certain way. The person who planted this tree had a vision for the tree. And he, through pruning, made this vision a reality, and it took a long time. And I'm, I suppose that there could have been other ways to have shaped this tree to make it look beautiful. But it, it, had, it, it had a shape, and it was, it was just a beautiful thing. And as I read just about Joseph, I, was, I could see how there was a seed planted in his heart about a future and a destiny and a purpose. And as he moved into that purpose, it seems like even good things were cut off. You know, I thought about that robe of many colors that his dad made. I mean... It kind of broke my heart, the sadness of, I mean, you know how excited he was about that robe? And his brother soaked it in blood to, to make it look like he had been murdered. And they took no care with this thing. And I mean, it seems like everything in his life just got, got torn apart. But as he moved forward and as you continue to read, the, what could be looked at as a depressing story starts to take shape. And as you read it, you start to get more and more encouraged. And at the very end, it's like this beautiful picture of what God does in our lives as we allow him to prune us, as we allow him to take the things in our lives and shape us and mold us into his image and likeness to do his purpose in our lives. I thought it very interesting that Joseph, his whole saga started with a dream. And do you know why he got out of prison after Potiphar's wife, you know, lied about him and had him thrown in prison? He ended up in prison and he gained much favor. Do you remember how? Dreams. He was, again, able to interpret dreams and understand what dreams meant. He was gifted in the area of discernment, perhaps prophecy, and was able to see in a dream that which was to come, and he can apply it to the, the, the given situation. But all the while he gave glory to the Lord, he didn't take the, 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 he didn't take the credit for his abilities. And, but I thought it very interesting that Joseph was given a natural gift. And given the opportunity for that natural gift to be honed through pruning and through sacrifice and what we would say, or at least what I would say is a bad life, it allowed him to get to a place where that was the very thing that caused him to prosper in, in the end and caused the Word of God to be true in his life and the whole picture to unfold. So 
as I'm, even this is not even, well, none of this is really on my notes, but as we were in worship, I was just seeing and uh, that every single one of us here has a gift. I can't preach a message that's going to be able to tailor to you or you or you or you, but I can tell you this, that God knows each and every one of us to our very core, and he's put some things in our DNA that we're just naturally gifted at and naturally ungifted at. I can attest to many, many things that I just shouldn't be doing. But there's some things that I'm called to do, and we have a natural propensity to gravitate towards these things until the world talks us out of it or some economic pressure talks us out of it and pushes us into a place. Joseph was able to be resilient enough to fall into the, to end up in the pit and in the jail and in, under the Egyptians. I mean, he, it's just it's amazing how he allowed these things to happen. I don't see any resistance in this along the way. It's not like Joseph fought. Apparently, he was he was a stud because Potiphar's wife, you know, she wanted she had the hots for him. So he had he probably had a stature about him. He could probably defend himself. But not once did he. He just kind of knew this is necessary. I would just kind of love to be in his mind as all this took place. So I wanted to share a story about um, an orange orchard. Most of you know, some of you don't. I'm from Miami, Florida. You know, the Sunshine State. Florida oranges, I think we all enjoy. We would travel to and from Charleston, South Carolina annually, sometimes multiple times in a year, and stay for sometimes a week, sometimes three weeks. But it was not uncommon for us to be up and down 95, riding back and forth to and from Charleston. For some reason, this one year, I was about 12, 13 years old, as we were driving down 95, and there's just miles and miles and miles and miles of orange orchards, uh, this one time, I, it, they caught my eye. They just happened to be in bloom, in full bloom, and they were absolutely gorgeous. I've never seen fruit quite like that. And it just caught my eye, and I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. There's a lot of oranges in there, as far as you can see. And that was about the extent of that impression. Well, on the way back, from Charleston back to my home in Miami. We're driving down the same stretch of I-95, and we come across that orchard, and it caught my eye that all of those beautiful orange trees were nubs. When I say nubs, I mean they have been cut back to, they look like my yard. We've got, we've got a few plants in my yard that we've cut back from time to time, and apparently we're doing great. I didn't realize you're supposed to do that, but that's the first encounter with pruning that I ever had. And I just noticed, I, I kind of took note of these orange trees and realized, why would they do that? Those things were awesome. I mean, I would ride that wave as long as possible. But I didn't know what they knew. So as I acknowledged that, I just it, it just kind of helped me to, to, as I'm thinking about it now, knowing what I know now and, and having uh, been able to apply God's Word and getting the Scripture in my heart, that was brought back to me, and I realized, ah, I get it. And my point is this. A lot of us think that when God prunes, he simply cuts away the bad stuff. You know, he eliminates the, you know, when we come through encounter, I know that was a huge pruning process for me. I was walking in with limbs hanging all over, and it's just like God whacked away at those things. And as I got before him, he revealed some things to me about the things in my life that needed to go, and they weren't producing fruit. He cut them off. They were gone, and I give him praise and glory for that. And I kind of, that was my expectation of God. Well, he also 
cuts off the things that could even be considered successful, a successful business. Um, I'll use this as an example. Not, I'm not shopping for pity, so please bear with me. Just recently, you know, I, I own a construction company, and we were able to build up a nice, and we're out, and we're debt-free. Um, we have everything we need, and then some, almost two of everything, just to have backup, just in case. You know, we have saws and compressors and table saws and pneumatic stuff and other stuff that I haven't even figured out how to use yet. It's just we have so much that we need for this industry, and I use it on a regular basis to earn my living. Well, my company got robbed, and the stuff was stolen, so we'll be taking up an offering here at the end of service. <laughs> Not really. But the truth is, I mean, it, it's like he, I don't know. All I can do is say, Lord, thank you. I don't understand why that happened. I just don't. And the day after, when I was cutting miter cuts with a handsaw, and I was nailing nails with a hammer, an actual hammer. Doyle, you can appreciate this. We were using a hammer to nail nails. I don't know how to use a hammer. It's sad. It's all pneumatic. Patow, patow, you shoot stuff up. Well, I mean, as I was doing this, I was just kind of thinking, Lord, I know right now I'm supposed to be praising you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It doesn't feel good. Gosh, it doesn't feel good. And it's hot. And I'm outside. And I'm pulling face off this building. And there's ants and dust and stuff getting in my face. And actually, I shaved my head that day because I was going crazy. And I just, I remember, I remember being in this position and I just had to, and actually at that time I was trying to make myself feel better. So I just likened it all to what Job had to go through and, you know, just a natural way of doing. But nonetheless, I just had to understand that sometimes, you know, God allows things to happen and I can't question him. I know that, that the enemy can do nothing to me without getting permission from the father. He can't harm me. He can't lay a finger on me. He can't lay a finger on my crops, on my, 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 my oxen in the field, my tools, my wife, my children. He can't touch anything unless the Father lifts the hedge of protection off of me. And if that's happened, then Father, do whatever you've got to do, do it to me. And I really want us all to maintain that attitude throughout our life because it gets worse. There is good news at the end of this, so please bear with me. All right, now, all of that stuff can get whacked off. It's not just the dead stuff. Um... The purpose in this is to make us healthier. He's given us plants, and he's called us. When we, we, you know, we were formed in a garden, and we were tending a garden. And it was, uh, I, I just believe that there's an imagery there, and he gave us this so that we can understand so much more. Now, after sin entered into the equation, tending the garden got a little bit more difficult. We were going to operate under the sweat of our brow, and there was thorns and thistles. And so as pruning takes place, you know, it's a little more, a little more difficult. But there are certain things in our life, and if you could picture a tree, and I'm learning more as I'm studying on this sermon, that when you prune a tree, there's a lot of things to take into consideration. Everything wants to compete with the trunk, right? And as we read about, can you put the scripture up there, John 15, um, as I want to just kind of refer to a couple of the points that are in here. I love this. He says, he's the, he's the true vine. The Father is the vine dresser, praise God. The loppers are in His hands. So long as we're giving our life to Him and, and, and allowing Him, if we truly comprehend and grasp the fact that it is the Father in heaven who loves us, that gave His only Son for us, He is the very one that is doing the lopping. I have faith that He's not going to hurt me. I've been to barbers before and get my hair cut and got my ear cut. And that hurts. I don't, I don't necessarily trust a barber. No offense, Robert. Where do you are back? I love you. And it wasn't Robert that cut my ear. But 
I have been cut, and it hurts, and I was a little shell-shocked for the next time I went. But the Father in heaven is not going to do that. He knows what he's doing, and he does it with precision, and he's careful. And there's certain things in our life that just need a good chainsaw. And there was a lot of things in my life, but there's also precision tools. I know Jimmy Kirby, he's, he's in the nursery business. He owns a nursery on John's Island. He knows plants. Um, he understands what it takes to prune a plant, when you're to prune it, how you're to prune it. There's so much that goes into it. And our Father knows everything about that. So much so that it's, it's not even a, an effort for Him. It's just what He does. And for us to receive a pruning, that's where the effort takes place. And I wanted to focus on this scripture today because I know that as I speak for myself and I'm walking through life and these things are happening, seemingly good things are getting trimmed, you know, and I'm going to use it. I'm just going to, I'm going to say, all right, my wife, um, our, our life has been, there's some fat that's been on our life that God's getting, he's trimming off. And one is that my wife had a job at Habitat for Humanity. And Friday, we've been praying about it. The Lord has been speaking to her for weeks and weeks and weeks and saying that I desire you not to be working there anymore. We've had conversations over and over, and I think we're trying to make fiscal sense of it. Well, we'll do it at this time period. And we're trying to, but the Lord's speaking to her, and she's hearing from him, and I'm being stubborn and not listening. And Well, anyway, she was let go on Friday. She served at Habitat for Humanity for years and years, and she did a great job, and I don't know how they're going to survive uh, without her, I pray that everything goes well. But they let her go, and they were, it was it was a soft landing, and everything was okay. Um, but the truth is, there's question. You know, we and we've been talking about pruning. In fact, last week, your devotion here before worship was about pruning. Weeks prior to that, I knew that I was going to be teaching. Pastor usually gives me a bit of notice, and as I contemplate what it is to teach, we talked about perhaps. Maybe I think pruning is kind of that thing that's going on. And then, lo and behold, this is happening, and we can rejoice in that. But I know that we're not the only ones. As I look around this room, there is, I, it's like, I feel like I'm driving in a car, and all y'all are bobbleheads. And I'm on the, you're all sitting on my dashboard. It's amazing, because how are we going to, how are we going to respond to the pruning hand of our Father? That's what I'm here to talk about this morning. How are you going to respond? It's not about what God's doing. He's got everything under control. It's about how we receive it. All right, so I'm going to try to go through and make some sense of this. Um, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. I think I gave you that. Maybe I didn't. No, I probably, I probably didn't. But will you throw it up there? He's, he's scrambling right now. Dang it, Noah. Why do you do this to me? There it is. He's fast, though. This is awesome news. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way for you to escape, that you may be able to bear it. What does temptation have to do with pruning? Well, I tell you what, when you are put in a position where you are being pruned, as Joseph was when Potiphar, Potiphar's wife was tugging on his garment to get him to come to bed, he was, there was a serious temptation right there. And he was being tested. And he made a decision to flee. The temptation that was there was, I'm sure, great. Because just as Adam and Eve were granted the Garden of Eden, I can only imagine the Garden of Eden. And God said, this I give you all for your enjoyment. 
But don't eat that little fruit right there. Everything else is yours. Just don't touch this. It's funny how that works with kids. It's like, boop, boop, boop. I can't focus on anything but. Potiphar said, I grant you everything in my kingdom to be yours, to do with what you will. It's all under your control. Just keep your hands off my wife. I can only imagine that Potiphar was human. I'm sorry, Joseph was human and was probably had, there was probably some temptation that existed there simply because he was told not to do it. Let alone when the, the, the opportunity came, it said there he was alone. There was nobody around. And she came to him. He fled. That is so encouraging to me because there is, he will not allow, he will prune just enough. He'll, he'll, he'll take it down to enough, but still the root, the vine is still alive and healthy. And so long as we don't disconnect from that, we will bear much fruit and greater fruit. And it is so encouraging to me. And that's what I wanted to bring forth this morning. As we look at the fruit, um, will you throw the definition of prune up there? I was supposed to show you this earlier, but I just want it to be understood that it means to cut back or to cut off or to cut back parts for better shape or for more fruitful growth. That's Webster. That's not, that's just, that's just what it is. And the cutting off part, often, sometimes it can feel great when the dead limbs are being cut, maybe the infected limbs. And some trees will grow and they'll actually rub against each other and it'll cause a friction to develop. And sometimes I think we can, we can interfere with God's work in our life. Chop. That's got to go. There's a Y branch in a tree. If you look at a lot of oaks, I think the most beautiful oaks don't have many Ys. They just kind of go this way, and then they turn this way, and they turn this way, and turn that way, and it's just really cool looking. There's not many splits in the road, maybe from the main trunk. But then I think arborists, what they do is they, they, in, in, they endeavor to get those things looking clean, but to minimize the, the weak points on the tree. So where there's Ys, that's where your weakest point is. So if you want to strengthen a tree to promote the fullest growth and to get the largest span and get the most sun and most nutrients and the least competition with the core, the trunk, you eliminate those whys as much as possible. And I thought that was so cool because God was showing me as, as I was getting a picture of the why, how many whys do we run across in our life? So many times I see a fork in the road in my personal life. There's so many decisions to be made every single day. And you can't serve God and serve mammon. You can't, you know, if you, if you were to be climbing a tree, and I'm just getting this image right now, and there was a Y that developed, and you wanted to, you wanted to walk on the whole tree, you know, there'd, be, there'd come a point where you get on that tree, and you can get on the Y, and it's going to get to a point where you just, you got to make a decision. And you, you can serve God, or you can serve mammon, but you can't serve both. One of them's got to go. And we, we have an ability in our own life. He didn't just, he didn't just prune us for the sake of pruning us. There's, a, there's an involvement we have to have. He does it. That's what he does. He loves us. Love is, is that he chastens those whom he loved. And I, I re, I'm getting to a place slowly but surely where I welcome that because I'm learning now through trials and tribulations and exercising that, that he does truly love me. And when I don't, when I choose the other part of the why, I end up falling and, and it hurts more than if I would have just let him smack my hand. But we can't serve mammon and serve him so we've got to make the decision, and as that, how, what does that look like in your life? There's an involvement that you have to have when you're along your path and you see you're serving God with everything you've got, and your eyes are being opened every day as you're in the Word of God, and you're studying who He is, and you're learning more and more about His love and His power 
and the sound mindness that exists in you because he is of sound mind and he dwells in you and you're seeing things that are starting to crop up in your life or maybe things that already are there and you're just, you, you start to lop them off. We have to have the, the wherewithal to, to make the effort to get rid of these things in our lives. A lot of times it's, help, it's healthy relationships, business relationships. And when I say healthy, I mean earthly healthy that everybody around you would say, yeah, that looks like a good thing. Perhaps that needs to go. I'm not telling you guys to go out and sever relationships. I'm telling you that you need to evaluate where there is branches developing in your life that are going to draw from the core, that are going to cause you wasted energy and wasted, wasted fruit. If you can cut these things off, you have the ability to do that as well. God will certainly cut off a lot of that in your life, but we have to uh, cooperate with him in this. Uh, a fact that I learned as I've I was doing some research on the internet about pruning. I needed to learn something about pruning. Um, but it's, it's done to improve appearance and to produce growth. When I think of bonsai trees, I was thinking about the, the appearance and how attractive that one tree was. Of all the trees, there's tons of trees on Kiowa, and there, most of them are beautiful, but this one was tailored. And a lot of the big grand oaks were tailored, but they had developed all this growth already. And somebody came behind and whacked off the, the stuff that was ugly or just caused it to be unhealthy. And then you still, you ended up with this neat looking tree. But this one was, was kind of formed as it grew. The person had a vision and they snipped it and guided it. And there were, you know, the ropes and strings tied to certain areas and causing it to go this way and to go that. And then they snip off all of that and the end result is this, this masterpiece. And I just thought it was really cool that the appearance was really neat. And I was able to appreciate that. We as Christians are called to be salt and light in the earth. Salt, yes. What is salt if it loses its flavor? I think you taught that this morning was, was part. Well, you didn't, you didn't. Well, you were going to, but anyway, I didn't get the inside scoop on that. But nonetheless, what is salt if it loses its flavor? What about light? To be light in the earth is to be that hope in the darkness. When somebody is in despair, perhaps contemplating suicide, maybe they're just downtrodden, and you just bring forth this light, of Christ. It's not you. You have nothing to do with it. It's all about God and your ability, your ability and willingness to let him shine through you. That when that is seen, it's attractive. We were sitting in the warehouse just Friday night and I had this bright glowing light right over the front door and the door is closed. So we're unaware of what's going on outside. And I had some fluorescent lights on inside and we were, some of the guys were just hanging out. Well, the door slung open. I guess somebody walked in or whatever. And man, a swarm of, 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 no, not termites, it was beetles and moths and everything that was leeching, le lurking in the dark was drawn to this light. And when the door opened, there was another light inside and whoosh, they came inside. We had the air conditioner running too. I think they liked that as well. But they were attracted to the light. And it just reminds me that, that darkness flees from light. And where there is light, there's, there's hope. And we're to be salt and light. There's an appearance that we have. Now, physically, it doesn't matter what you look like. Your spirit is going to glow and exude this, this handcrafted work of art. And so when we allow ourselves to be pruned, it causes our light, the proverbial light, to shine more brightly. It makes us more attractive to the world. It makes us very repulsive to the darkness in the world. But the souls that God created in this earth, every person, you know, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, right? The person has a soul that God loves. And when that soul is in the presence of the light of God, they're attracted to it. 
And when we allow ourselves to be pruned and to be, to be shaped, to be more like God, that we bring Him glory, that is attractive. And that's what we're supposed to do. We need to welcome the pruning shears in our lives. We can't just turn away from that. Um, the, finishing off of, the finish of this says, Pruning is also done to improve appearance and to promote growth. This involves enhancing the natural form and character of the tree by removing limbs that, that turn inward, cross-extend. It means re- removing anything that competes with the growth of the main trunk. Could be water sprouts, root suckers, excess lateral branches, thinning the lateral shoots, while letting the remaining branches get better air and circulation, water, and sunlight. That might not have meant anything to you, but I do want to say this. This is the cool thing. It enhances the natural form and character. This is important because Joseph had a natural character and a natural form and natural giftings. He was an interpreter of dreams. That got him thrown into a whirlwind. Most of us tend to shun anything that causes that kind of turbulence in our life. Whoa, don't do that again. Note to self, mention dream, get thrown in pit. Don't mention dream anymore. No more dream. That's what most people do. And they shy away from their natural giftings and live a whole life of somebody, it's somebody else's life. It's not even their life. God put that in him. Please, I pray that when we leave here today, that you ask the Lord to reveal that thing in you that is natural to you. There are businesses to be started in this room. There are ministries to be started in this room. There are ministries to be ended in this room. There are businesses to be closed in this room. There are things to happen. There's, there's, there's relationships that you've had that are, that are thwarting your ability to do what God has called you to do. I pray that when you leave here today that you have a newfound respect for what God is doing in your life. Welcome Him to come and cut off this, the fat in your life to prune off those things that are competing with him in your life and drawing energy from the main trunk, the vine, the main vine, the true vine, the true and living God, Jesus Christ. Don't be ashamed to be connected to the vine. When you bear fruit, you don't ever see fruit tucked deep inside a plant. They hang it out there for everyone to see. Please come, enjoy, have some. It's not a selfish thing. Plants aren't very selfish, and I think that should be a lesson to us all. But... Um, I talked about the Y shape in the tree, and that's, that's amazing because if we allow the mammon in our life, um, it's, it's going to hurt us. Listen to this. There was a Mythbusters episode. <laughs> Mythbusters is cool. If you've ever seen it, it's these two guys that hear these urban myths, and they put them in test. And they say, okay, let's see what happens when you mix this and this. They put the Mentos in the Diet Coke, and it makes it fly. I mean, if you've ever seen that, it's pretty amazing. But... There was a myth that if you talk to your plants and treat them nicely and love them, they grow better. But if you discipline them and yell at them, and you know they, they don't grow better. So they tested this. They had two. They, they have this. They're very science oriented. So they get the control plants, then they get the happy talking plants and the, the mean talking plants. And they they've got this. They take every greenhouse and make sure that each is identical conditions, and so they want to make sure that they're not you know it's the same seed from the same crop. And in one, every day, they spritz them with a little hand bottle, and they love them, and they tell them, you're so pretty, you're growing so nicely, you know, all this stuff. They go to the, the control group just stays, just as if nothing's ever happened. 
Then they go to the other one. They're playing heavy metal music and they're yelling at you, stupid! Play. They get that drill sergeant. Goes, How do you crack a pistachio? And the drill sergeants use intimidation. Well, they come in and they're just yelling at this thing and telling it it's no good. You're you're just a weed. You're a tumbleweed. You're never going to grow. Well, in that condition, you know what? The the ones that get yelled at grew better. That has nothing to do with what we're saying, but it's just funny. I don't know. Don't tell pastor. It could get ugly. But um, I just thought it was interesting because, you know, could you imagine talking to the plant? Okay, you're so pretty, and I love you, and we're loving our plants now. We're the, we're the owner of the plant. We understand what it takes to make a plant perfect. We're, we're on pruning, right? I love you, snip. You're so pretty, cut, cut. You're so lovely. You're going to be the best. Cut, and the thing's just like, oh, you know, how dare you? And I could just picture the plant if he could talk. You know, if you love me so what, so much, and what's the deal? Get the scissors away from me. You know, quit doing this. I'm, I'm trying to grow here. I've worked hard to produce that limb. You know, snap. Golly. And sometimes I think as Christians, we can be like that plant. We just, you know, we're, we know that he's trying to do something in us, for us, with us. But why then are you, you know, I've worked hard on that part of my life. You know, I've worked hard to buy all those tools. Why? Why, you know, praise God that the thief is going to return it sevenfold. But it's still, I, I'm nailing with a hammer. I don't use hammers. I don't use hand saws. It's hot. There's so much that I can argue about. But praise you, Jesus. I, and I mean this is not facetious. I mean you praise you, Jesus, because he's doing something in me. And this is, a, this is not something that comes natural to any of us. My soul man, the, the fleshly man, wants to bicker and complain just like the plants do. But the inner man, who knows, I know those loppers are in my father's hands. Thank you, Lord. Kelly loses her job. Praise you, Lord. Because, quite frankly, I love that she can be at home now. That's awesome that the, our girls can have their mommy home and to, to teach and raise and I just believe there's something that God wants to have happen in that. So I just know sometimes we say that to God, and, you know, it's pruning is not punishment. We can't, not, we can't get those confused. We can't allow God's love and his, his mercy and tenderness. It's really tender the way he handles us. I mean, I've seen some of these pruning things. That bump, I mean, they're like little tiny. They look like something you'd use to work on a watch. These little tiny pruning things. And then, you know, there's, there's also big chainsaws. And if you've ever watched Swamp Loggers, you know that there's some pretty intense tools that can be used. And I know for some of us, they just need to have a big, meow, take us down from their ankles. But nonetheless, I just know we can't equate the two of pruning and punishment because as he does this, it's to, it's to form us and shape us to be more like him so that he gets the glory. Because this whole life is not about you, guys. It's not about me. It's about him and him receiving the glory. So if something is added to you or removed from you, he gives it to us. The Lord gives and he takes away. Romans 8, 28. Will you throw that up? Look at this. I'm at the end of my notes. How did I get there? <laughs> and we know all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I think that's just apropos. If we're called according to his purpose, as we know Joseph was called according to his purpose, all those things that happen, if you get to the end, you realize, wow, it did work together for good for him. The, the truth came out. His, his whole family came and bowed before him. I marvel at so many of us, and myself included, I am, the, I am a great starter. I'll just admit it. 
I can start anything with the best of them. It doesn't matter what it is. My wife can attest to that. I can start anything. We have a whole bunch of projects in our house that prove that. Let me rephrase that. We have a whole bunch of unfinished projects in our house that prove that. I pray that that go away and be pruned. Snip it, Lord. And I, I know it's an amen from her. Just I heard it and you guys didn't. But there's so many of us that have a promise and we start moving forward in a calling from the Lord, right? We get this and then all of a sudden we face opposition. We Maybe you have to have a few things pruned. And a lot of us quit midstream. We never get a chance to bear fruit because we quit. God's promises and everything in our life that he calls forth requires our cooperation. Everything from your salvation to your witnessing to your ministry, it requires your cooperation with his move, lest it be all you. And if it's all you, well, have at it. But I know that as we move forward into this earth, this earth and this life and we're raising children and I look around and I see what's going on in the world economically and socially, it's just, it's pathetic. I mean, New York just passed the gay marriage law. For years, it was just, no, we're not going to do it. It's not right. Well, all of a sudden it became right. How? What's... I'm not getting, I'm not allowing this to surprise me, but I do know this, that darkness is encroaching on the earth. And the earth groans, groans for us to spread the gospel, to be the light in the earth, to be the salt in the earth. And there's going to be more and more and more snipping that takes place. I will encourage you now, especially the younger ones in the crowd, to try to live your life according to his word now so that there's less snipping later because he will bust out the proverbial chainsaw on you. And it can rock your world in a skinny minute from one day to the next. Everything you held so dear and thought was necessary for your survival on earth, he's going to say, yeah, it's necessary for your survival on earth. But you're not going to be on earth. You're going to be in heaven, a new earth. So as we, as we put so much of an investment of ourselves, we develop these trunks and it just hurts to have those things lopped off in our life. So I just want to, again, when we go into our life with the Father and we present ourselves as a living sacrifice to Him, when we come in here on Sunday morning and we lift up praise to Him, if our eyes could just be plucked out, that we might get new eyes to see what the Spirit is doing in our midst and what is happening as we lift up ourselves to Him, what we do is we... And, and for all practical purposes, we're presenting ourselves to him. And I don't know about you, but when you're presented to him, that's a perfect time for some snipping. A lot of people come in to a church service and are closed. And they don't allow the Lord to do a work in their lives. And... The Father loves us. We, I guess there's just not a, a good enough revelation of love. Maybe it's just they, they, they never really experienced love. But when we come in and we're able to, and I, know, I think the raising of the hands is kind of a symbol of that. While raising hands, you know, we're not legalistic in this crowd, but the raising of the hands is almost just an outward expression of an inward happening when you just are able to, to say, Father, I have, I have nothing to hide. Whatever is in me that's not of you, please deal with it. And whatever is of me, look at it. Look, it's okay to, to take 
a sense of pride in your ability to, to, to serve Him and honor Him in your life. I know when my daughter does something great, Daddy, Daddy, look, Daddy, look, come here, come here, come here. I mean, I get home from work and I haven't been in the house five minutes and, Daddy, Daddy, look, look, look. And you will run to her room and I get an A. I drew an A. It might not look much. I mean, if you look at it right, it could be an A. But it's, you know what I mean? She said, but to her, Daddy, look. And somebody else might look at it and how dare you ridicule. If, if you look at what my daughter has done and you say, that's not an A, you try to kill it, how dare you get out? That's my daughter. I love, oh, sweetheart, that's so great. I'll drop to a knee. I'm full of dirt and sweat and all the rest of it. She doesn't care. I did an A. Our Father wants us to adorn Him with, with praise like that, and He wants to give us praise. That's why it's so important, guys, that you love your daughters and you love your sons and you treat them with utter respect and you prune them. It's good for them. We're, our, the raising of our children is much like that of God raising His church. And we need to be examples in our families as well, in our businesses and how we run our businesses. We've got to be willing to prune off the things that don't glorify God. We certainly have to be willing to allow the Lord to prune those things and don't become cynical or bitter or uh, resentful whenever He does that work in our life. We have to acknowledge. And now if there's not order in your life, things fall off. And there's another sermon in that. Maybe when the next time pastor lets me preach, we can get into that. But the truth is there's a, there's a pruning that takes place, and we're pruning some, and he's pruning some. And he's taking our hands also. He, it's, a, it's an ever-going thing. We just finally got some rain. Praise God for the rain. All of a sudden, all the weeds are wanting to jump, wanting to jump out of my yard. It's like, boom, all of a sudden, the grass, what grass? It's all, wow, we're going we're gonna to have to go through. There's got to be something in there. I don't know what it is, but figure it out for yourself. But the truth is, there is as, as the seasons change, there's always new growth, new sprouts. And I don't understand what, I don't understand why God allows things in our life certain times, but He certainly wants us to grow. When I look at a tree that has been, that has weathered some storms, there's character in that tree. Um, when the wind blows the tree, from what I understand, Jimmy, you can correct me later, but I think it stretches the very fiber of that tree. And if, it, if it's just enough, just like that temptation that the Father said, well, He won't let us, it won't be so much that we can't bear it. Each time, it's just like when you're working out and you're tearing the fibers of your being and you come after the gym, you know, two days later, you're just like, I want to drink some milk, but I can't even pick the thing up and it hurts. There's going to be that in our life. But it's necessary for the growth in our lives. And the, the, the storms, He's not going to let them be so much that you can't bear it. He's not going to cut off so much that you cannot function. The, the opposite is true. He's getting it just right. He's getting it just right. Stand with me. I want us to pray as we come in for a close.